today I get the privilege to speak on Pentecost Sunday. It's always been something that I've wanted to do, speak on Pentecost Sunday. You know, when I was five years old, I was a little girl riddled with fear because some of the things that I experienced, some of the things that had happened, some of the things that I seen, some of you may have heard some of my story. But as a little girl, every Monday night, my parents would have a prayer meeting in their home and the pastors would come. There was a bit of an agenda why we had a prayer meeting. It was not only uh, to see God move, but it was to see my mum delivered. And uh, as a little gal, delivered from things that had happened to her as a young girl. And that did happen. That deliverance did happen. But as a young little girl, I remember so clearly my friend being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about today, about being able to speak in the heavenly language of tongues. What a good husband. It's awesome. Thank you, honey. And, uh, <clears throat> and I said to, my, to those who were praying, I said, I want what she has. There was a hunger, five years old. And you think, does a five-year-old know what they want? I knew. I knew what she had, I wanted. I wanted that, that ability to pray in a language. The Bible talks about in Corinthians, you speak mysteries to God. That when we don't know how to pray, that we can pray in this language of the Spirit. At five years old, I was filled with baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm 55 years old, and I pray in the Holy Spirit in my God-given tongue every day. It's seen me through tough times. It's seen me through great times. It's brought my relationship with God so much closer. I feel when I pray in the language, in the heavenly language, I feel like it's just me and him, and everything's okay. He's got it in hand. It's a language that was given to 120 people the first time, the day of Pentecost. It descended on every believer who was in that room. We heard about it before. But it is when the, the breakout, the new church was actually birthed. The church was birthed when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. This occurred 50 days after Jesus' death and burial, burial and resurrection. Then he came back for 40 days with the disciples, with 500 of them, and he spent time with them. And then he ascended into heaven. And 10 days after, we read about how also Jesus promised the outpouring of the Spirit, that the power from on high would come. And 10 days after, as they were waiting, as they were praising, 120 of them, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit descended upon in the upper room, and they were all filled speaking in tongues. And tongues of fire came upon them. The promise was actually given 700 years prior. Joel speaks about it. 700 years before, he talks about the Holy Spirit's outpouring. And I want to read it to you from Joel 2, 28 to 29. The headline is the day of the Lord. Joel says, Prophet Joel, he says, and afterward. I want you to remember that word, and afterward. 
I will pour my spirit on all people, not just the Israelites, not just the Jews, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both me and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He's referring to the Holy Spirit's coming. This is one of those passages that has a double prophetic promise. It's given to the Israelites, but it's also given on the day of Pentecost and given to us today. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we, we read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost came, this 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven, they're waiting, they're obeying. They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, Peter, then a few verses later, so the Holy Spirit has fallen. A few verses later, Peter quotes the prophet Joel's prophecy. But see what he says. Joel quoted as an afterward. So afterward, the Holy Spirit descended in the upper room. Peter, this has happened. And Peter says it like this. And in the last days, and in the last days, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. This has happened afterward, the outpouring of the spirit. Peter's basically saying, but in the last days, in the last days, I will do it again. I will pour out my spirit again. Are you with me today? Redcliffe's a lot more noisier than you bunch. Come on. Come on, I've been at Redcliffe. I'm loving my season there. They, they talk back to me. Yeah, you're allowed to do that, okay? Just don't throw anything, but you're allowed to talk back. Thank you. Get a good lunch today. The last days refer from the coming of Jesus, when Jesus came, to when he returns again. This is the last days. This passage is declaring in Joel what God wanted to do was to bring a spiritual awakening to his people. But it's something that he wants to do in the last days. We are living in the last days. Peter was living in the last days. But we are getting closer because it's been a long time ago. All right, 2,000, just over 2,000, no, 2,000 years ago and over. So I'm saying we're closer. We are closer to Jesus' return. History has shown us that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has continued and continues to be outpoured. Today I'm giving you a little bit of a history lesson. We are going back from the first outpouring in Acts chapter 2 to what has happened to 
up to now. From Pentecost till now, there have been 10 outpourings of the Holy Spirit, 10 major outpourings of the Holy Spirit. There have been moves of God, but these are 10 documented outpourings that have brought great change. Pentecost number one, Pentecost 30 AD, first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter went and preached. In one day, 3,000 people were saved. Do it again, Lord. Number two, the pre-reformations of 130 to 1500. Number three, the Reformation in 1517. Number four, the first great awakening in 1727 to 1750. Number five, the second great awakening, 1780 to 1810. Number six, the general awakening from 1830 to 1840. Number seven, the layman's revival from 1857 to 1861. Number eight, the pre-Reformation revival from 1300 to 1500. Number nine, the World War II revival from 1935 to 1950. And number 10, which some of you are in the room, the Baby Boomer revival from 1965 to 1970. We see a pattern here that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days will continually to be outpoured. But it's been a long time since a major reformation, since a major reformation from 1970. So I believe we are about to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In every one of these 10, there were significant change, salvations, miracles, Revival is another word used for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So interchange revival with outpouring, meaning both an outpouring. But I wanted this morning to look at three distinct recordings of the outpourings that brought great change to the world. Number one, in the 1500s when Martha Luther wrote his 95 Thieves. So that number one, the, the reformation that restored Jesus back to humanity. Do you know back in the day of the 1500s, they had to go through the clergy to, to, in corrupt practices that if you had a sin, you had to go through the clergy and pay them so you don't go to purgatory. Something wrong there? paying for your sins so you don't go to purgatory. Martin Luther said, this has got to change. This is wrong. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he wrote 95 these. You can Google them and read them yourself. He argued that true repentance and freedom and internal life only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ rather than ritual works. Thank God for that reformation. Thank God that has changed. You know, the reformation in the 1500s, Martin Luther's reformation that he brought change to, it period transformed Europe out of the dark ages. 
The Bible was printed and spread throughout the world in an unprecedented way, rate during this time. The Bible went crazy being printed and throughout the world because of this reformation. Do it again, Lord. And people began to see God for themselves, not through the priests, not through clergy, not through corrupt men, but through for themselves. This rebirth in the spiritual realm directly reflected the rebirth in the world. Jesus was restored to humanity. Man removed, Jesus came in. The second one was in, 19, in the 1900s, and some of you might be familiar with this, the Reformation that restored the Holy Spirit. So number one, the Reformation of Jesus in Martin Luther. The, number two, in the 1900s, the Reformation that restored the Holy Spirit to the church. Never, never, never be told that the Holy Spirit was only for back then. Jesus himself, I will argue, I will bring scripture, I'm very forceful on this matter because it's the Bible. You take the Holy Spirit out of the Bible, it's not the Bible, it's your version of what you read. Okay, a five-year-old girl can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, changes her life where fear and a relationship with God of intimacy you can't say I made it up. So never, I will, if you have a theory that the Holy Spirit was that day, come and see me afterwards. I'll give you a bunch of scriptures and a bunch of testimonies. Where the land, oh, thank you, Lynn. Now you're talking. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I must go to the Father, but I am going to send power from on high. I am going to send the Comforter. I am going to send power so we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Greek word paraclete, the one who stands alongside of us. You want a powerful prayer life? Talk, pray in the, to the Holy Spirit. Pray in speaking in tongues. So the second, sorry, that was not in my notes, but I felt I needed to bring that back into the church. Reformation restored the Holy Spirit. And by the 1900s, the church had become powerless and operated like a religious system. I think that photo is going to come. The photo is coming up behind me. Great. Um, and in Eng England was a very powerful state, country at the time, and it was starting to break apart. This paved the way for the Welsh Revival in 1904. And I know Pastor T.L. Evans, he was part of that, wasn't he, Pastor Fred? He was part of the Welsh Revival. Oh, do it again, Lord. It started, this is how this Welsh revival started. Move of the Holy Spirit. People began to experience the reality of God's power through the Holy Spirit. You can't make that up. It doesn't last. 
The church exploded with the fire of heaven. Do it again, Lord. S.J. Lee Grady said about the Welsh revival, it was marked by two profound characteristics. First, waves of conviction drew people to repentance. Often sinners wandered into the meetings and immediately knelt at the altar, convicted by their sin. Do it again, Lord. The second was Christians felt an urgency to share Christ Jesus with everyone around them because the reality of hell and God's judgment, they seemed almost possessed by the love of God for the unconverted. Such an urgency to share the gospel of Jesus. Then in 1906 was the Azusa Street Revival and there was another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This third key reformation in 1906 lasted nearly 10 years. Azusa Street Revival started in Los Angeles and was marked by exactly what the church needed at the time, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was restored back into the church. We see the Welsh Revival and then the Azusa Street Revival. We see it's the Holy Spirit being back restored. People were... the, the People started flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, seeing miracles, seeing signs and wonders everywhere they went. And they became, they were, became born-again Christians wherever they went, in the streets, in the homes. Services were held around the clock as people couldn't get enough of the Holy Spirit. Do it again, Lord. It was the start of the Pentecostal movement, start of us. start of the Pentecostal movement. The Azusa Street Reformation led to so many subsequent revivals. After World War II, the Latter-day Rain Movement. Some of you may remember the Latter-day Rain Movement. I don't. It was before my time. It restored the fivefold ministry and many were filled with the Spirit in the 60s and the 70s. And I was part of the 70s. America, listen to this, America then entered into a season of apathy and fear resulting from the rise, resulting from the rise of the Cold War, Cold War, intense Vietnam War protests and the first nuclear bomb test. Apathy had entered after revival. And during this time, the Holy Spirit outpoured again. We see the Jesus movement was founded. Who remembers the yellow stickers with the sign? The yellow stickers with a smiling face. Come on, there's more 70 babies in here. Yeah, and Maria, a few of us remember that this movement led to the spread of the evangelism and to worship throughout contemporary music. This is when contemporary music came in, Jason. <laughs> Who remembers Arthur Blessed walking around the world with his cross? Yeah, some of you a bit more uh, later. Yeah, I remember watching 
Like, I remember he came to Adelaide, and we all gathered to watch this man carry the cross on his shoulder. It had little wheels on the back. It's not as, um, as strong as Jesus. Um, and, and, but what he was doing was bringing the message of Jesus to the world. And we see that he spread the world with the gospel the message of God loves you and he forgives you. In the 80s, we, re, we saw the vineyard movement under John Wimber, which led to the planting of hundreds of churches. Through Who remembers the vineyard movement? Those songs from those chorus books. Yeah, I remember them. The movement sought to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit through signs and wonders and was marked by many healings and intimate worship time with God. Remember singing those choruses and really getting lost in the presence of God. Do it again, Lord. Number three, the Reformation, restoring Father God. So we receive the Reformation of Jesus returning back to the church. Then the Holy Spirit coming in. Now we see the Reformation restoring the Father, heart of God. This paved the way for the Toronto outpouring in the 1994. And, and you can read about this, but which many referred to the Father's blessing. And that came without outpouring in a small church in Toronto led by John and Carol Arnott. And people came all over the world to be a part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to experience the Father's love through signs, through wonders, through miracles, and more importantly, his contagious love. And in fact, there were so many visitors to the church that, the, that they made it a number one tourist attraction in Toronto in 1994. People took this revival back to their homes, back to Australia, back to all parts of the world, and it broke out in their own communities. On Father's Day 1995, a massive revival broke out in Brownsville Church in Pensacola. Do it again, Lord. This, my mum was part of this. We sent her off, get a bit of an outpouring touch of the Holy Ghost to bring back to little Adelaide. And she did. When you're a part of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it changes you forever. A touch from the Holy Spirit, a touch where you see miracles, where you see signs and wonders, where you feel the love of God. The Father God brought healing, joy, restoration, and it was starting point of a whole new reformation. Throughout history, these key, three key reformations restored Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father back to the church. But now we are living in the most exciting days in history. God is sending up another reformation, another outpouring of Joel's prophetic word. I don't know if you remember my prophetic vision that I had in, it was in February, the end of February, 
Um, and we went, and this, this was COVID. This, we, we really didn't know in February. But in March, we had our first online service. And, and, I, and I got this vision. It was the end of February. And this is the vision. I shared it on our very first online, commun- my communion sermon service. And it was, I saw this black, dark, dark cloud over. And, and I was puzzled. God, what is that? What, what does that mean? I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's apathy. Apathy is going to come into the church. I was like, what? We just really didn't know about COVID. So I'm like, but then... I saw this shaft of light come through the black cloud and disperse it. And I said, what's that, God? He goes, a fresh outpouring of revival on my people. He's going to do it. But do you know what? I had no idea that COVID was going to last for two and a half years. I had no idea what God showed me of apathy was going to come to pass. You know, we thought, COVID was going to last a couple of weeks. You would do online service, we'll do church, we'll do that. That's good. But what I saw and what we saw as a staff, right, I'm talking to the converted here today, but what we saw was apathy. Church is really good at home in my pyjamas with the kids. Yeah, not, nah, nah. Good day today. I'm going up the coast. Oh, not, you'll be there maybe next week. Apathy, 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 apathy. So I just go, okay, I can't fight apathy. I'm praying that rap pouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that people get hit with the desire and the hunger for the house of God. See, the church is ecclesia. It means come out of your home, out of your pyjamas, out of your comfort food, out of the beaches, out of the camping sites, out of your pyjamas, into the church. This is the church. This is ecclesia. This is it. I know, I'm preaching to the converted. So just for a minute, if you're watching today online and you're not sick and you don't have a shut-in, you're a shut-in. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you who are sick. I'm talking to you this morning who gave your heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ transformed your love. You've experienced first love. You used to be part of what was called the church. You're part of the great move that how God moves within the church. Today, my appeal to you today is come back to his house. Don't be a couch warmer. Be a pew warmer. Be a worshipper with brothers and sisters. Amen. In America, that was mum speaking. In America, 40 to 50% have returned 
to church. 40 to 50, I've heard it from a pastor over there. And the surveys, Barmy or whatever he's called. All right, Barney, whatever. Barnaby. 40, 50, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's a survey. Okay, everyone's nodding their heads. 40, 50% have returned back to church. Do you know what it is in Australia? 70, 80%. Isn't that good? Do it again, Lord. A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you know there is an outpouring, there is a revival amongst the Muslims at the moment? It's all underground. They're still wearing their habib, hajib, whatever. They're still but there are underground spreading. And you know how they're coming to, the, to Christ? Through visions of Jesus. Through direct visions of Jesus. Do it again. I want to show you a few things. I spoke this. This is Joseph. This picture is Joseph Law, one of the, the wonderful men from Redcliffe, took this picture over Redcliffe. That's not the picture. Oh, my goodness. How did that get in? That is terrible. That is not the picture. Come, church. Come back. Come back. Come back. That's terrible. Come back. Sorry for online watchers. That was faux pas. This is the picture. Have you got it? No. It is a picture. Oh, okay. Can you please put it back up? It's a picture of a dove over Redcliffe. 23rd of Jan, 2021. Good, not the nose of Mark. I took this when given this. It's a prophetic picture over Australia, over Brisbane, over Queensland. I want to share a couple of prophecies that were given that I that were that were actually given to me. Chris Peterson, who was a youth pastor in Redcliffe many, many years ago, before he went to start his own senior pastor leadership, he gave a prophetic word and he prophesied that before the end of times begin, a revival was coming to the eastern side of Australia and the centre of a beginning would be in Redcliffe. Then it would sweep across the nation. Do it again, Lord. You know, it's only half an hour drive. It spreads quickly. This is, um, this is a, a, a prophecy, well, a word that was given. Marlene Trust was a missionary all over parts of, of the world she was working uh, overseas at this time, but she was flying back to Australia. And she lives actually in Radcliffe. But on her way, she was flying from Madagascar to South Africa. And it was a 17-hour wait in Johannesburg. I want to read it because it's best read straight as it, as it came to me. Her words. So I went to a Pentecostal church and found, no, this is in uh, Johannesburg. And found no one I knew because I hadn't been there for 15 years. And the congregations do tend to change over a period of time. Tell me about it. 
It was a Zimbabwean pastor who was sharing that morning and he said, we have a guest here, brackets. And there were probably about 500 of us at the time, or 500 in the church. We have a guest here from Australia. And I thought, oh, I wonder who knows me and told him. But it wasn't so. He said, I have a word for you and for your land. He didn't ask me to stand or anything like that. He said, the Lord is telling me there is going to be a revival in your land. And the Lord is telling me two towns. I do not know any cities in Australia other than Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. The Lord is telling me that this revival is going to come to the east coast in the beginning in an area from a town called Redcliffe to a town called Tweed Heads. It is going to come in such a way that unless the saints are aware that God is moving, that they may not know that he is moving. And my encouragement for you today is that if you know people in that area, please encourage them that the Holy Spirit is going to come and that it's going to be far sweeping. It will begin in that area and begin in a way that they are not expecting. And he said to me, now sharpen your heart. Be alert because something absolutely wonderful is coming. Then the Lord said to me, the people in the east coast of Australia have shepherd's hearts. And they need to begin shepherding people. And he said to me, they are not going to miss out on the revival. Come whether it's through a word or through a prophetic utterance, I want to tell you to share that to encourage your hearts this morning. God is wanting to pour his spirit out. How good is that? Yeah, how wonderful that. He didn't know. He doesn't know Redcliffe. He doesn't know Brisbane. He doesn't know Southeast Queensland, Brisbane. He doesn't know. Joel prophesied it. We're seeing it. We're going to see it again. I saw a vision. Many people have seen different things. When revival can come now, when revival comes, God's people will hunger for righteousness, worship, and service in his name. When revival comes, the lost will be drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. When revival comes, people who have wandered away will return back to church. Do you have sons? Do you have daughters? Do you have mums and dads and aunties and uncles, children and grandchildren and cousins and friends who are away from the Lord? We're going to see them come back. We're going to see them come back to Jesus. When revival comes, serving God will not wear us out. Oh, but it will lift us up. There'll be no weariness to serve. When revival comes, his name will be exalted and his people will be filled with the Spirit. 